0: We're just glad to be back with you again, and ladies, we had a good time. Thank you, and uh, I enjoyed myself and came away refreshed, and I'm just glad I get to be with the church family this morning and your precious pastors. They're precious people, and uh, know this, that they are an expression of God's love for you. He's interested. God is interested in your spiritual well-being, so He gave you pastors, and uh, we're just grateful to get to be with them. Thank you, Pastor, for having us. And Pastor Sharon, thank you for all you've done for us in these last couple of days and the Ministry of Helps who uh, did such a beautiful job for us this weekend so we could enjoy what we have together and uh, what you do is different than what we do in the pulpit but it's not less important than what we do and so we appreciate what you do and uh, we're just glad to be with you. We have a few items back at the book table we want to let you know about. There's so many things back there that you can go back there and not really recognize it can get a little overwhelmed, and so I want to kind of spotlight some of them just to just to let you know what's out there. Uh, this book, "The Price of the Double Portion Anointing," uh, one of the places we go overseas and preaches in Saint Petersburg, Russia. And uh, last April, April of 2018, we were there, and uh, God told me um, a couple of weeks before we went, He said, "I'm going to speak to you while you're over there." And so uh, one night I went up to my hotel room after the services and uh, Jesus came in my hotel room and talked to me for an hour. And basically I was his secretary that night. And just wrote down what he said, and he talked to me about the price of the double portion anointing, because it's going to take a double portion anointing for the last day harvest. Amen. Amen. That's good. And uh, he talked to me about what would have to be in place in our lives to flow the way he wants us to flow in in the measure that he wants us to flow in. One of the things that my husband, as well as other leaders in the body of Christ, prophesied about the last day revival is that the fivefold gift ministries, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, teacher, will be operating at full potential power. That's awesome. And we were, Dad Hagen was our spiritual father, and uh, being in his services so many times like we were, I only ever heard him say uh, the highest he ever operated at was in 70% of the potential of the office that he walked in. And he said to me, said to the congregation, rather, he said, people would think that that's because uh, the minister only got there. And he said, the only reason I ever got to 70% is because that's as far as the people would go with me. Right, right. And uh, so it's not just up to the minister to flow at full potential. It's up to the congregation and the members to say, Father, we're all reaching together. It's not just us sitting back and watching the pastor reach. We're reaching together. And so this is one of the characteristics of the last day revival is that we'll be moving in such unity and such faith is that we're, (laughs) we're, uh, we're drawing on the full measure of what each office contains. Think of it when your pastor operates at full potential of the office he walks in. What would that mean to this community, to your life? Amen. Then the second thing that my husband said, as well as other men of God, is said that the nine manifestations of the Spirit would all be operating at full potential power. Awesome. Uh, Jesus talked to my husband on different occasions that there would be times when every sick person in the building would walk out whole. How, when does that happen when the gifts of the spirit are in full manifestation? and people are reaching for it and believing for it and not just coming to church as usual, but we come expecting another degree, we come expecting another measure of God's power to be in operation. And so he began talking to me that it's going to take a double portion anointing to reap the last day harvest. And uh, it's not just about the portion upon the minister, and we know this that the Bible when it speaks of a double portion anointing it's talking about that um, uh, and especially the anointing upon the minister Uh, but this doesn't just uh, refer to the minister no congregations might not upon themselves uh, an individual may not walk in a double portion anointing but every one of us can walk in an increased measure And we don't want to get caught up on, is it double portion on me or not? That's not the important thing. The important thing is that we're reaching and obeying and moving with God together and we're laying hold of the fullness that He offers us, whatever that measure plays out to be. Now, I will say this, that in every every born-again believer is an anointing. Amen. The Word says the anointing abides in you. And it will teach you. Well, that anointing that abides in you does not increase. That measure is always just the same for everyone, meaning that's what we have to live on in our personal life. But there comes an anointing upon. And the, 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 the anointing that comes upon is for us to minister and bless others with. And that's the portion of, or that's the, that's the flow of the anointing that can be increased. Yes. And so this is what he was talking to me about, how to be used in a greater way, to be a blessing in the earth to people. And so he talked to me for an hour, and this is really a message for the last day era. And so we invite you to get hold of it, and it'll be a blessing to you. Then we have this one, living free from worry, peace. How many of you know that worry is not an option for us? It's absolutely wrong for us. Yeah. It's wrong. I mean, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, take no thought for your life. What you eat, what you drink, what you shall put on. And you say, well, he's talking to us about the very basics. Yes, if he's saying he doesn't even want you to worry about what you're going to eat or drink, he certainly doesn't want you worrying about your mortgage. Amen. He's saying don't worry about anything down to what you eat, what you drink, what you put on your body, all the way down to those little everyday things. If he doesn't want you to worry about the things that come every day, he certainly doesn't want you to worry about the things that come once a month. That's right. come on. yeah. That's right. Amen. Amen. So when he says, take no thought for your life, he knows he he knows this that there's a penalty for us if we take thought for our life. Not a penalty from him, but worry carries a penalty with it. It will break down the mind, it will weaken the faith, and it is not part of the flow of faith. Worry is an expression of fear. Amen. God's not given us the spirit of fear. But a power, love, and a sound mind. Worry is simply a flow of fear. And worry will break down faith, and it will break down the mind. And Dad Hagen taught us this. How do you know if you're worrying? If you're thinking about it. Amen. 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 And so uh, we talked to you how to live in the peace of God. Two years before my husband went home to be with the Lord, the Spirit of God, you know, the Holy Ghost is called the Comforter. And I tell you what, you're going to have to know how to respond and yield to the comforter because there's going to come things in life that will try to discomfort you. Right. On. Right. And uh, one of the ways the Holy Spirit comforts us is he prepares us. Yeah. The Holy Ghost is not just someone who yeah. pats you. right? Yeah. That's right. That's And, you know, just to make you feel good, he equips you. And that's one way that we're comforted. You know, when a when a when a warrior goes into any kind of battle, he's comforted knowing he's got his equipment. He's comforted in knowing he's got skill with his equipment. That is his that is his safety at that point, his equipment and his skill with it. That's how the Holy Ghost comforts. He, he equips us and helps us to be skillful if we will follow his leading. Amen. And so uh, the Holy Ghost knew that there was some transitions and major changes coming in my life. And so what he did, he began to equip me and help me become skillful with the equipment. And two years before my husband went home to be with the Lord, the Spirit of God said to me, all I want you doing is practicing peace. Now notice this. He was telling me that what was going to be the equipment for me during that time of transition was that peace would be what would govern me. How many of you know, uh, if peace is governing you, fear can't. That's right. If peace is governing, worry can't. And so for two years, I knew what he meant when he said, all I want you doing is practicing peace. Listen, Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. You got it. It's on the inside of you. It's a divine flow. And it's not only a feeling, it's a force. It is an ability, a force on the inside of you that will flow out and dominate things around your life. And so it's not enough that it's in you. We have to practice what's in us. And so the Holy Ghost said to me, all I want you doing is practicing peace. I knew exactly what that meant. That meant govern every thought. Pay attention to every thought. If a thought did not lead me to peace kick it out. If a thought troubled me, reject it. If a thought was trying to harass my mind, answer it. Talk to it. You cannot get rid of thoughts by thinking. You cannot outthink thoughts that trouble you. When troubling thoughts come, you talk to them. You answer them. And you say, no, you don't. Because thoughts of fear will come and they will just circle around your head. An evil spirit, the devil can speak one thought to your mind and then he'll walk off and leave that thought to keep moving and circling around your mind. And that thing just circles and circles and you try to get rid of it and you can't because you can't outthink a wrong thought. You can only stop a wrong thought by answering it. I was ministering along the lines of talking about the mind. That's one of the things that God has me to emphasize, is teaching people how to deal with their thought lives. People think that the, the devil is their problem when really it's an undisciplined mind. Yeah. That's good. Did you get that? Because we have authority. We're in charge of our minds. And just because the devil says something doesn't mean he has to take charge of our minds. Right, right. Just because he says something doesn't mean we have to let that thought in. Yeah. And we have to become skillful at shutting those thoughts down. And anytime we're troubled in our mind, that shows us we need more skill in our thought life. Yes. Amen. Excellent. And so... uh So uh, I was preaching along the line of having a disciplined thought life and answering wrong thoughts. One pastor, a precious pastor, a precious man of God, and I mean, uh, got a, a robust faith. He's a He's a man who has great fruit in his life and ministry. And he said to me, he said, Pastor Nancy, several years ago, he was diagnosed with cancer and they were able to treat him. He got on the other side of that. But he said, I would be sitting up in my bed at night. And he said, uh, the thought kept coming to me. You're, that cancer is going to come back and I'm going to kill you with that. And he said, the devil said that to me. And he says, I had learned and uh, been taught by Brother Hagen that you'd learned to laugh at the devil why because that's one flow of faith. Sure. Yes. Amen. That's one way you can express faith. And he said so for 4 months after I had, you know, been uh been you know, given a clear a clean bill of health He said, I would have to sit up because at the nighttime I'd get so troubled, that thought coming to me that that cancer would come back and I'd be troubled by it. And he said, I would sit up hour after hour and laugh during the middle of the night, just shutting that down. And he said, my wife even had to go to a separate bedroom so that I could, really, what was he doing? He was fighting the fight of faith. And I said, Pastor, I said, laughing is the fight of faith. Absolutely, that's part of it. But I said, the first part of it is you answer the thought. Right, Right. And I said, you were trying to outlast. It when you, it's words that stop words, right. and he said, "If I would have only known that, I wouldn't have had to sit up for four months trying to laugh my way through something. If I could have known to answer it, because the devil will speak words, and they are a living thing that will circle around your head. But you have words of life, and when you speak those words, it will stop those words from troubling." God. and circling around your head. And that's what I knew that the Spirit of God was dealing with me about practicing peace, that I would answer every troubling thought. Good. Amen. Amen. So when my husband went home to be with the Lord and thoughts like, what are you going to do now would come, I'd answer him and say, what I'm going to do now is fulfill the plan of God. That's what I'm going to do come now. On. Amen. Amen, I'd answer those thoughts. Yes. I wouldn't sit and entertain and allow myself to be troubled by it. And so because I had learned to practice peace, whenever my children came that day, which was really uh, six years ago, what was it, Friday or Saturday? Friday? Six years ago Friday, they came on the back porch where I was, and they said, Mom, Dad's plane went down. I knew how to stay in peace because i have been practicing that place for two years and I didn't come out of it. Thank God for the Holy Ghost, that if you will do the right thing with your mind, no emergency of life, no conflict of life can take you from the place that Jesus authorized for you to live. It's called the place of peace. Amen. You don't get there just by by circumstance. You get there on purpose to where you stay in that flow. I refuse to come out. I told my children when, uh, as we were on the back porch that day, I said, don't you touch this in your thought life. Don't you wonder how, why, what are we going to do now? I said, you cannot get in the mental arena because the peace of God is not in the mind. It's in your spirit. And I said, you shut down that mind and that peace will rise up and it will dominate your mind, but it does not flow from your mind. So don't look there for your peace. And I said, y'all cannot get into depression. You cannot get in oppression because we've got a race to run and I don't have time to pull you out of a hole of depression. That's right. Amen. Amen. Because I practiced peace, I was able to keep my family in peace. Because I practiced peace, I was able to keep our congregation and our ministry in peace. We didn't have to dig ourselves out of a hole. That's right. Amen. Good. And so I want you to know worry and fear is not a flow for the believer. Right. It's not the flow of faith. Amen. Amen. Peace is our flow. So that yes. book is out there. There's another companion book with this called A Sound Disciplined Mind. So we encourage you to get both of those. Because, uh, you know, the more peaceful you are in your mind, the better life is going to be. Come on. Then we have also out there, um, we have this one, Visitations from God. People would say, well, what is a visitation from God? Well, you say maybe it's an angel showing up. Well, that's true. Uh, or... Maybe it's God speaking to you in an audible voice or Jesus appearing to you or someone speaking a prophecy to you. Well, all of those certainly are visitations from God, but if we want to really know, we go to the Bible. And it says that Jesus stood and wept over Jerusalem, he said, because they did not recognize their time of visitation. What was their visitation? It was a God-filled man sent to them. Can I tell you, uh, God has a visit for you, a visitation for you, and it's not just in a vision, it's not a dream, it's not some audible voice it is a God filled man sent to your midst it's called your pastor your pastor is a visitation from God when God wants to visit a man he sends a man That's what Martin Luther was. He was a visitation from God. That's what John Wesley was, a visitation from God. Smith Wigglesworth, a visitation from God. Billy Graham, a visitation from God to this earth. Uh, Kenneth E. Hagen, a visitation from God. Dr. Lester Sumrall, a visitation from God. uh, uh, Dr. Ed Dufresne, a visitation from God. When God wants to visit you, he doesn't send a feeling, he sends a man. right. Right, right, right. Amen. Amen. And too many times people miss their visit from God when they don't recognize the role of the pastor in their life. And they dismiss church attendance. Mm -hmm. And they think it lightly and they treat it lightly. If we miss church, we miss our visitation from God. Amen. And God is so good to us. He doesn't just say, hmm, don't know when the visit will come. (laughs) Remember the Pool of Bethesda? An angel would come down and deposit a measure of healing power in the water it would stir the water and they never knew when that would happen so they had to live there by that pool just so they could be available when that right. stirring happened. God's better to us. Yeah. You know what? He says at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, we're going to have a visit from God with our pastor and at your midweek service he assigns a time and it's no it's no excuse for us to to not be there when we're assigned a visitation i've learned this in 25 years of pastoring there are people who say you know pastor i i just don't i i my my marriage is falling apart i've got all kinds of problems and i said well where were you last last uh, midweek service god was visiting you and you didn't show up for your visit you want to hear something at home but if you want to hear something at home come and show him show god that you honor his visit that's assigned Well, praise the Lord. (laughs) Can I tell you this? It's life and death what church you go to. Can I tell you this? I've seen many people in the body of Christ die prematurely for one reason. They didn't have a pastor. They didn't have someone speaking in their life that gave them answers. They missed their visit from God. They thought church was optional when it's mandatory to to long life. So that is out there. It'll be a blessing to you. And then we also have this one, victory over grief and sorrow. Uh, When my husband went home to be with the Lord, I was already in the flow of peace. So there was no room for grief and sorrow in that flow. And people say, well, you know, I grieve. It's an expression of how I honor God or honor the person. If I love someone, you know, I grieve when they're not there. The only thing is Jesus redeemed us from grief. Yes. and sorrows. Yes. If grief was a flow of honor, why would Jesus have to come and redeem us from good it? Right. Right. Yes. Right. Very good. Grief is not a flow of honor. It's a flow of fear. Wow. And uh, when people fear, they grieve over something. I tell you, uh, when Brother Copeland called me the day, just moments really after my husband went home to be with the Lord, he said, Nancy, how you doing? And one of the things I had to think was this. I can't act like I don't know what I know. When you know where someone is. Yes. And they the, the word oh, yeah. says to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be like if your husband or your wife came home from work one day and says, honey, you know, I'm, I'm really downcast today. Well, why are you why are you downcast? Well, I got a promotion at work. I, you know, I just feel bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> the proper response to promotion is rejoicing. Yes. To live is Christ, to die is promotion. Yeah. Excellent. Good, job. Very good You see, you have to think in terms of that. Yeah. Yeah. You have to renew your mind to remember the right thing. The right thing is in you. Remember it. Amen. And think in terms of that. The Bible talks about the comfort of the scriptures, but you have to allow them to comfort you. And the way that you allow them to comfort you is you don't dismiss them; you hold to them at a time when things try to trouble you. Amen. And you rejoice. And when when my husband went home to be with the Lord for months and months and months, my sole occupation was this: I worship you, Father. I'm so grateful that my husband is not lost. I'm so grateful I'm not lost. I'm so grateful that Jesus came and paid the price so we could go and live. See, it's about the bigger picture. It's not about the moment. Amen. Yeah. And so when you get your when you get your thought life on the bigger picture, you rejoice over yeah. where, where that loved one is at and where you're going to be one day. In case you didn't know it, we're all going to go there one day. We're all going to exit this earth. And the, the thing about it is this, it's uh, if we could say this, we go out and we tell people, you need to get born again. You need to get Christ in you. Yeah. Why? So you can live with him one day. Yeah. So then when they go live with him one day, we cry. We fall apart. What's up with that? That's why we told people they needed to get born again. Right. Because that's the that's the prize. That's the payoff. Come on. And then people go into fear and grief and sorrow. When they go for their prize, it's, something's missing up here. You know, it's called right thoughts. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Thank God for the word that helps us think right. Yes. yes, Hallelujah. Turn with me, if you would, this morning, Joshua chapter 1. I, forgive me, I get so gone. You know, when, when you teach, you can teach a book, you know. So I just, That's hand me a microphone, I'll teach it. You know, hand me something, I'll teach it. So I don't mean to go long, but these things stir me when yeah. I get to talk Amen. about what's out there and available in those books for you. It'll be a blessing to you. Hallelujah. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. I was at home uh, on one occasion uh, a time ago and uh, I was talking to the Lord and really I was spending time repenting because not so much for things I had done wrong but really more for things I had failed to do. You know, omitted to do. I could have done better at this, Father. I could have done better at that. I should be further along in some spiritual things, and I was talking to him about those things. And you know, it's it's right for us to be sober about where we're at spiritually, and not just mindlessly conduct life. But we need to evaluate and uh, say, where am I, and where, what do I need to be reaching for? So I was talking to him about that, and I was just repenting for not really being further along, and. And if you're not careful uh, in, you know, examining yourself to see whether you're in the faith, because we're told to do that. Uh, If you're not careful, you can get under a flow of condemnation in that. But um, so I had been talking to him and repenting. And then I picked up one of Dad Hagen's books and was sitting down and reading. And I'd been reading for a little bit. And I seemed to be impressed to get on my knees. And when I did, the moment my knees touched the floor, Jesus was standing in front of me. And he said this to me. He said, you have failed many, many times. And I thought, I am so glad I'm the first one to bring that up. <laughs> What's bad is if he's the first one to bring right. it up and you act like you didn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> then you know you're close to trouble. Right. But really, he was really replying to what I had been talking to him about. And he said to me, he said, you have failed Many, many times, but I'm so glad he didn't leave me there. He followed it with this, but I never have. So I share my success with you. Get that. We fail, but he he has succeeded. And it's not about us trying to go out and formulate or achieve our own success. It's about moving into the success that he has already achieved. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so anyway, so he made that statement to me. Why? He was giving me a better place to look. Wasn't, isn't that right? Yeah. If you look at you, you sink low. You look at Him, you'll rise to the place that He seated you at. I'm talking about rising in your thinking. Rising in the way you respond to things. Amen. Amen. And so uh, He made that statement. He said, so I share my success with you. Immediately upon that statement, He gave me this passage, Joshua chapter 1. He had said this to me a couple of years ago. He said, Joshua chapter 1 is how you're going to get to the next level that I have for you. Now, I didn't quite know what he meant by that, but he opened it up to me that day. Yeah. And so I want to talk to you about that because how many of you know success is available to you? Right. Yeah. I said success is available to you as we go under the the, the the blinking lights. We're off and on and we're off and on. Boy, we got some, that's all right. We got, we got some kind of star on stage here going or something. <laughs> And so here we see this Joshua chapter 1. He says this. He says, this book of the law, verse 8, Joshua chapter 1, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, so that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then you shall make you shall make yes. your way yeah. prosperous, and then you shall have what? Good, good success. success. Notice what God told us to do. Prosper and have good success. How many of you know you're not the first one to desire your prosperity? He was. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good. not just you wanting to succeed. He authorized and authored success for you. Yeah. And so if we're not prospering or succeeding, we're missing out on something. This passage he said to Joshua at a time when Joshua was reaching one of the most trying times of his life. And this is when Moses had just exited the earth. And uh, after Moses exited the earth, just think of what Moses' presence meant to the earth. He was the only free Hebrew in the earth at one time. Every other Hebrew was in slavery. He was the only free one on the earth. And it's just amazing how the Pharaoh had given out a command that all the Hebrew boys under a certain age were to be slaughtered. But Moses' mama said, not in my house, not here, you're not getting mine. And I have a firm belief that if every Hebrew mama would have stood up and said, not in my house, you're not getting mine, just as God gave Moses' mama a plan to rescue him, her child. I believe God will give anybody a plan Amen. who will approach with faith. You're not getting my child to drugs. You're not getting my child to porno. Amen. Not my house. No. Not happening. Yes. And when you take that stand, God will empower you. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. And this is what Moses' mama said when other mothers were yielding up their babies. She said, not mine. Yes. And she did a divine thing. She lied. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she hid her baby. She's not yielding up something. She's holding to the plan of God when the devil tried to get her to say, well, you need to follow the law, not if it's against the plan of God. And so she held to the plan of God and God gave her a plan and sent that baby in a basket down the Nile. And divinely, I have no doubt, angels escorting that basket right up. Oh yeah, you're going to kill the babies? I tell you what, you're going to raise this one. You're going to fund him. And he arrived at Pharaoh's house, Good. right behind his little palace there. And Pharaoh's daughter moved by motion as a, as, a, as a young gal goes and sees a baby. And Pharaoh can't say no to his daughter. And so she walks up and says, here, I call this child my child. I call this son my chi- my son. And now the Pharaoh's going to finance. The, fi- the Pharaoh's going to pay for the upraising and bringing up of this one Hebrew boy. And so, uh, yeah, you say you're going to kill the others? Okay, you're going to fund this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's going to cost you something. Yeah. Put him in line for royalty. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So this is this is the man that it seemed obvious. Well, certainly the way you're going to free the Hebrews, put a Hebrew on the throne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that seem seem obvious? Oh, man could think of it. Moses thought of it too and found out, oh, if man can think of it, God can't use it because God's thoughts are higher than man's thoughts. God's ways are higher than man's ways. So the way you plan, the way you think of is a plan he won't use because his ways are higher, not equal to yours. He's not going to be limited to man's thoughts. Amen. But it wasn't God's plan that he put the man on the throne. It was God's plan that he send his man back in and say a word to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And because God was trying to spare that nation destruction, God did not want that nation to be destroyed, but they wouldn't do what he said. And so the payment or the penalty for not doing what he said was the door was open for the enemy to destroy and so they were a destroyed nation when God's people were delivered out of there. The water source is destroyed. The livestock's destroyed. The crops are destroyed. Uh, the, first, the firstborn, their future is dead. Everything, every arena is touched because they wouldn't do one thing, let my people go. If right. they would have obeyed and just done what God said, everything would have been intact when God's people walked out. But because it wasn't, they had the reward of disobedience and the re- reward of rebellion, and it cost them their nation. Wow. Amen. So God brought that, God brought His people out, delivered His people out of Egypt, and notice this: He said there was not one feeble one among them. Think of that these are slave bodies. Slave bodies are overworked, slave bodies are abused, slave bodies are are mistreated, they're mishandled and when they came walking out of that came walking out of Egypt there wasn't a bent over spine, there wasn't a crooked body, there wasn't a disjointed joint. Every young person, middle-aged person, old person walked out under their own strength, straight as a string because God, the power of God had prepared them for their journey into abundance. And every one of them walked out healed. Every one of them walked out whole. Slave bodies made new again. Amen. Amen. Not only that, he said to them, he said, go demand of your neighbor the gold and the silver. And so they went to their masters and they demanded the gold and silver and the favor of God came upon them and they handed over their wealth to the, to the Hebrews as they left. So they walked out healed and whole and they walked out rich. 400 years of back pay in one day. Here we go. Ready for the trip. And then he sent them through the wilderness. They were only supposed to go through the wilderness. But he sent them to the wilderness and through the wilderness. Why? Because he sent them to a place where their money would not deliver them. He wanted to teach them, you got wealth, but your wealth will not get you into what I have for you. He sent them to a place where they couldn't spend it. I want you to know God wants you wealthy, but not so you can bypass him. Come on. Amen. Right, right, right. It's awesome. Amen. He sent them to a place where their wealth would not do a thing for them. Now he sent them to a place where it's going to be relying upon their faith, what they believed. So God was sent, Moses was sent by God to help deliver these people out of Egypt and bring them into a land. It's called flowing with milk and honey. What does that mean? A land of abundance. How many of you know God's planned abundance for us? He's not planned barely enough for us. But because they would not... Because even though they walked out, notice this, they saw all these things that were worked to, re- to get them out of Egypt. They saw the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night that led them. But notice the thing is, although they had health, although they had wealth, they had one of the finest men as a leader, they had the presence of God to accompany them, and they still didn't arrive into what God had for them. Why? Because they would not bring their faith. How do we know they wouldn't bring their faith? Because they still thought like a slave. They complained against their pastor. They complained against God. They complained against their circumstances. You say, well, how do you know it was a slave mentality? What do slaves do? They complain against their work. They complain against their masters. Why? Because it's a forced labor. Right. And so they develop the habit of complaining. But what happened when God delivered them and they're no longer slaves, they don't, they're no longer under a man's dominion, they came out physically, they came out financially, but they never came out mentally. Right, right. And they carried the bad habits of slavery, complaining. How many of you know that if we're going to complain, if we're going to murmur and gripe, that is the language of someone who never arrives at God's best. Right. Right. And they failed to arrive. An entire generation, 40 years, never arrived at what God planned for them. I don't know about you, but I want to arrive at what Amen. I'm born for. I don't want to just wander through life and never arrive. And Come this on. generation under Moses, although they had the best that God could offer them, they still never arrived. I tell you what, without faith, we never arrive. We never arrived. Yeah. It doesn't matter what else God gives us. They had God's word. I've given you a land that flows with milk and honey. But because they wouldn't add their faith to God's word, they still didn't arrive at what God's Word said. Right. So here we see a generation that never arrived. They're a disappointed generation. They are a uh, displeased generation. They're a disgruntled generation. Yeah. And uh, they never arrived. The, the men, 40 years and over, they all die. After 40 years of being in the wilderness, that generation dies off and Moses ends up dying. And now we're at Joshua chapter 1. And you have to think this, that Joshua thought, if Moses couldn't get a in, <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right. What makes me think I can get him in? He's got to conquer that thought that any man would have. He's got to deal with that thought. If sister, sister, you know, spiritual over here who knows how to pray and she didn't get her miracle, what makes me think I'm going to get mine? You better not dismiss yourself from what God's promised you because no doubt Joshua could have dismissed himself from being able to be a leader. What makes him think he's equal? He has served this man. He admired this man, Moses. He saw these mighty things done under Moses' hand and Moses' ministry, and he goes, I know me, I'm just a servant to this man. Right. But what's going to cause them to go from failing to success? Because that first generation of Hebrews was a failing generation. They failed. And now Joshua is in command at the the command of God. God puts him in command, and God tells him this. Now I'm going to tell you how to turn a failing generation into a succeeding generation. I'm going to tell you how to make someone who never arrived into someone who lays hold of everything. I don't know about you, but I don't just want to have God's word. I want to arrive at what God's word says is mine. Yeah. Amen. Amen? Amen. You would think that it would take... Now, see, the problem with Joshua is this. He had a generation. Of course, the first generation died out. The second generation never saw what the first generation saw. Right, right. exactly. The second generation never had, saw the same exact dealings that the first generation saw, the dramatic dealings. Notice this. You can see God move dramatically, but without faith, it doesn't matter what you saw. Right, that's, that's Right. 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 Very good. Just seeing a vision will not will not take the place of faith. Right. Hearing a voice will not take the place of faith. Receiving a prophecy won't take the place of faith. Yes. Faith has its own place, and it doesn't matter how dramatic God deals with you. Without faith, you don't arrive. Come on. None of us do. That's good. Wow. Amen. Yeah. It took faith for us to arrive at salvation. Yeah. yeah. We had to believe. Amen. How many of you know now that we're saved, it's going to take faith to arrive at the fullness of the blessings salvation brought us? Yes. Amen. We're not going to get there just hoping we arrive. We're going to get there on purpose. We will not automatically arrive at God's best. We have to get there on purpose by using our faith. Right. Right. That's good. And even though God had a plan for that first generation, they didn't get there automatically because they wouldn't bring their faith. They never arrived no matter what miracles they saw, no matter what they saw, no matter what uh, rivers or or seas they crossed on dry land. didn't matter. All those spectacular, dramatic events did not get them in without their faith. Right. That's right. What's, what's this mean? You don't have to see something spectacular. Bring your faith. You'll get there. That's yeah. right. Amen. You don't have to see, you don't have to hear a voice from God. You don't have to have a vision. You don't have to see a vision of Jesus. Just bring your faith and you will arrive at God's best. Amen. So you would think that Joshua would say this, God, if I couldn't, if Moses couldn't get them in, it's going to take a volume of instruction to get these people in. And in one verse... God gives him instruction how to turn an entire nation from a failing nation to a winning nation in one verse. One verse. It only takes one thing, God says, if you're putting it in place. It only takes one thing. It doesn't matter how far your family or your life has fallen apart. If you'll do one thing he tells you to do, it will take you from the place of failure and put you in total success. Amen. Amen. So this is what Joshua 1, 8 is. It tells every, every human being how to move out of out of failure into success. Yes. And he says this I love, I love the first two words of this, this verse in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book. This book. This book. This book. This book. Yeah. Amen. Not your education, yeah. not your IQ, not who you know, not where you were born, not what kind of family you were born in to this book. Do you know that this book removes all natural distinctions? It doesn't matter what country you're in. It doesn't matter what family you're raised in. It doesn't matter what your education. If you will treat this book and honor this book as the word of God, you will arrive at what God authored for you no matter where you're born, no matter what kind of family you were born into, no matter what financial start you had or didn't have. If you will treat the book, the book treats everyone the same. But the difference is how are you going to treat the book? I tell you what, the way we arrive, we have to have respect for what God says. We have to to honor what God says. We have to value what God says and not just dismiss it and treat it lightly. These are words that heaven brought to earth for our lives. If we will honor the book, the book will honor our lives. Amen. Amen. Whether or not we're going to succeed in life is going to be based on one thing, how we treat the book. This is not just, this is not just a textbook. This is my life. This is not just something that you set by your bedstand. This is how you arrive at the fullness of God, how we treat the book. If God says something, I honor it. I hold to it. I don't dismiss it and let worry tell me to let go of the book. I don't let fear tell me to let go of the book. I hold to what God says more than I... I'm not going to, to let go of what God says so I can pick up what fear says. To pick up what fear says is to dishonor what God said. Praise the Lord. To worry is to lay down and forget what God says. To worry is to dishonor and disrespect the book. Hallelujah. 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 This book of the law, I want you to count with me. I want you to notice in this verse, this book of the law, the words mentioned, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Now you're mentioned. But thou, you, shall meditate therein, the word, yep. day and night, so that you, third time, so that you may do according to all that's in the book, third time, amen, yes. so that you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. Look at that. The words mentioned three times, you're mentioned five. Yes. Yeah. You're awesome. mentioned, the words mentioned three times, you're mentioned five times. What's this mean? Notice who's not mentioned, the devil. Yeah, that's right. yeah, that's right. Notice who's not mentioned, God. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, we know this, God and His Word are one, but He's talking about specifically His flow of His Word. Right, right, yeah. right. Good. Our success doesn't, isn't stolen from us because of the devil. Right. Wow, come on. Our success depends on one thing, what we're going to do with the Word, right. come on. how we treat the Word, yeah, right. the place we give the Word well in our life. Whether or not we're going to arrive at what we're born for is on one thing. How are we going to treat the Word? What are we going to treat what God says in our life? Amen? Amen. This book of the law, notice this, shall not depart out of your mouth. Ah, he's telling Joshua, if you're going to lead this second generation into the land of abundance, you're going to have to get the Word in their mouth. Okay, now he's telling them why they didn't arrive the first generation. They didn't have the Word in their mouth. Yeah. The first step to arriving at anything God has for us is we have to speak the Word. Mm-hmm. It's a lifestyle. It's not just something we say on Sunday when the pastor leads us in a confession. Come on. It is our lifestyle. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Yeah. It's the way we live. Yes. It's the way we talk. It yes. governs yes. us. Yes. Dad Hagen used to teach us this. No matter what you're faced with, learn to ask the question, What's the word say about this? What's the word say about this? What's the word say? When my husband went home to be with the Lord, that's the first thing. What's the word say about this? Not what do my feelings say? What do my emotions say? What do my finances say? What's the ministry going to say? What are people going to say? That means nothing to me. What does the word say about this? And I bring my thoughts in line with it, and I bring my actions in line with it, and I bring my steps in line with it. What's the word say? When my husband left the earth, the plan of God for my life did not leave with him. I still have a plan. The plan of God did not leave. I know, God says, I know the plans that I have for you. And they don't leave when a spouse leaves. They don't leave when a divorce happens. The plan of God is still attached to my life, and I don't care what leaves my life, the plan doesn't. And I hold to that. Amen. This book of the law, it does not depart out of my mouth. I talked about the word in my mouth. I talked about the plan of God for my life. I didn't talk about what I lost. I talked about what's still with me. Yeah. Amen. I don't talk about the one who left. I talk about the plan that stayed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't talk about the finances I no longer have coming in because my husband's not a contributing factor anymore. I talk about the supply of God Come that on, is still God. with my yeah. life. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. That's called, you ask yourself, what's the word say about yes. this? What's the word say about this? What's the word say about yes. this? And you have to get strong and dogmatic, and if I could say this, ugly about it. you got to get bold with it. Yeah. Why? So that wrong thoughts won't steal the word out of your thought life and Come won't on. steal it out of your mouth. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Yeah. 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 Your victory is going to start in your mouth. Your your defeat will start in your mouth. And he said, you've got to get the right words in their mouth. They spent so much of that first generation complaining against Moses, complaining against God, complaining against leadership, complaining they don't have water. Listen to this. They, they They ran across a time when they didn't have sufficient food. You want to know why they didn't have sufficient food? They're disobeying God. That's why. God never assigned them 40 years in the wilderness, but because they refused to hold to what He said, they have to stay in a place that's not enough. Right. The wilderness represented a place of not enough. That's excellent. Why? They weren't, in, they weren't where God told them to be. He told them, I've given you the land to get there. And because they listened to people who did not hold to what God said, they had to stay out. Anytime we don't hold to what God says, we're going to stay out in barely enough. Right, 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 right. We need to look at our life. Are we living in barely enough? Then we need to start addressing some things. Am I holding to what God said? Am I holding to what God told me? Am I holding to prosperity? Am I hold? Am I obeying every place he told me to be? Yeah. Yeah. If he told me to stay with this church, that's where I'm staying. I'm not leaving my Come church. I'm going to be where God told me to be, yes. and I'm not going to let anything else dismiss me. If God told me to be somewhere, nothing but God can dismiss that's me absolutely. from that. Yes, yes. absolutely. Amen. Very good. And they dismissed themselves from where God told them to be. And notice this God blessed them as far as he could. You know what he did? He sent manna from heaven. Isn't that a miracle? One translation says manna was angel food. It didn't come from earth. God showered down food from heaven every day. You know what they did after a time? Complained. They complained about food showered down from heaven. They still complained. Why? Wrong thinking. Can I tell you this? Was manna a miracle? Yes. But can I tell you this? It was a miracle for disobedient people. It was a miracle God never intended that they have to have. That's good. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What was the miracle God had for him? Promised land. Yeah. He didn't have manna in mind for them. Yeah. But because they disobeyed, he blessed them as far as he could. Listen, when we're not obeying God, God will bless us as far as we can. But I want, I want you to know a manna miracle was a secondary miracle. Wow. Yes. It was not God's best miracle. Right. That's right. Praise the Lord. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Can I tell you something else? You want to know another miracle? Water came out of a rock. Right. Yeah. But can I tell you, it was a miracle for disobedient people. Yeah, it, was. yeah. it wasn't the best miracle. Yeah. Why? Wow, it ran out. Right. Yep. Yes. Can I tell you another miracle? Ladies, this one, we'll we, we pay attention to this one. <laughs> Their clothing never wore out. <laughs> well, that's a miracle. Yeah, it is. That's a miracle. You know what that means, the children? The clothes grew with the children. That's a miracle, but you want to know it's a miracle for disobedient people. Can I tell you what a miracle for obedience is? A full closet, baby, a full closet. Full closet. I believe in full closet ministry. I believe in full closet ministry. Why? That's what the land of abundance offers you. The land of disobedience will offer you the miracle of the same clothes every day. They got miracles, but it was not God's plan for that, that degree of miracles. God had a higher degree of miracle for them. Amen. But why, why didn't they get God's best? Because they complained. They talked about, let me tell you what, complaining about the house, complaining about the job, complaining about the car, complaining about anything else. All of this stuff will keep you in a land of not enough. Complain about, well, the boss doesn't treat me right. He doesn't pay me enough. Talk like that and you'll live in a land of not enough. Why? Because faith is grateful. Unbelief is a complainer. You know whether you're in unbelief or faith by what you're doing with your mouth. Praise the Lord. I'm not accusing anybody. That's for us to examine ourselves with. That's excellent. That's very good. Complaint is the language of people who are living barely enough and never arriving and in unbelief. Praise the Lord. Well, we like this, Pastor Nancy. Keep preaching, you know. (laughs) Why? We're trying to show the difference between failing and success. Jesus offers us success, but we can't do failing actions and arrive at success. I'm trying to show you what success actions are. Success, a- success actions are his word in your mouth day and night. Yeah. That's the way we live. We speak the word. When you say, well, I know how to speak the word. When, when there's not enough money, do you, do you keep speaking the word? Come on. When my husband died, I was left with six and a half million dollars I was responsible for. A million was needed immediately. And then in the midst of that, about two weeks after he died, I got a big old love letter from the IRS. Big envelope. Not even a legal size will hold it. Big old envelope. And you know what I did? I picked that thing up and I didn't open it yet. I picked it up and I held it up. Yeah. And I talked. Come on. Why? This book of the law shall not Come depart on. out of your mouth when yeah. you open the IRS letter. Yes. yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's right. Can I tell you this? Let me tell you this funny. Let me tell you this physically. People will say this, and you need to be careful about this. I'm believing for the doctor to give me a good report. You're, out, you're not in faith. God already gave you the good report. And if you're waiting for the, if the doctor gives you the wrong report, what you gonna happen, what's going to happen? What Come you going to say? Come on. I don't wait for people to give me the good report. I got the good report. Come on. There you go. yeah. And if the doctor gives me the wrong report, I'm, I still know what report I'm holding yeah. to. I'm not going to try to change the doctor's confession. That's not the problem. I'm not going to say, doctor, I don't receive that. I'm not going to try to change him. He's not the problem. I'm going to hold to what God says. I have the good report. So no matter what I hear, I hold to the good report. That's what I did when I held up that IRS letter. I just held to the good report. And I said, Father, this catches me off guard, but it doesn't catch you off guard and doesn't catch supply off guard. You've already provided a supply for this that I did not expect. Come on. So, I want you to know no matter what I see, I have a supply for this. Yeah. Yeah. No matter how much it is, all the money I need, it comes. I opened it up, six figures, baby, six figures. What a lovely gr- grown up thing that was. <laughs> but within a week or two, by the time it's all done, all I owe is $18,000 all the way down from six figures to $18,000. Did not have to talk to him, did not have to send a lawyer, didn't have to do anything, but because I said something and I held to God's Word, God's Word began cutting away at all of that and brought it all the way down. What is that? See, people don't really realize what's it mean to hold to the Word that before something bad ever shows up, you already know what you're saying. This book of the law does not depart out of my mouth no matter what I feel, no matter what I see, no matter who what says is said to me. I say the word and I'm holding to it. Now, the next phrase is the big clincher here. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate. 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 Can I tell you what? The first phrase dealt with your mouth. The second phrase, meditation, is going to deal with your thought life. There's the real conquering thing. The reason people talk wrong is they think wrong. The reason people have the wrong thing in their mouth is they had the wrong thing in their thought life. To deal with your meditation is to deal with your thought life and it's to deal with your attention. What is your attention on? Right. If we're going to have the word in our mouth, we have to have the right words in our thought life and we have right. to have our attention on the right thing. We cannot speak words of faith and be th- and be thinking about thoughts of fear. Right. 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 Having thoughts of worry. Forbid them in your thought life. Come on. You say, well, how do I forbid it? You pick up the right thought. Have you ever seen toddlers or let's just say uh, toddlers are younger and they pick up something in the house you don't want them to have? The worst thing you can do and the, the thing that's not real smart is just jerk it away from them. You know what you do? If they're holding, if they're holding the, the, the microphone and you go, I don't want them to hold the microphone, I want them to hold the cup, all you do is you exchange something. While you're taking one thing from them, you hand another thing to them. That's how you get it out without a squeal and a cry. Right. That's good. How do you get rid of a wrong thought? You pick up a right thought. You let the right thought push the wrong thought out. You fill up with the Word, and then you don't, have to, you don't have to try to deal to struggle to get doubt and unbelief out because the Word will push doubt and unbelief out. The Word will push fear out. How do I not be fearful, Pastor Nancy? How do I not be afraid? Pick up the thoughts of the Word, and it will push out what's wrong. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. That's good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so it says here that this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, so it has to be in your mouth, but thou shall meditate in it. How often? Ah, day and night. Can I tell you this? This is your lifetime occupation. No matter what job you work outside the home, this is the job inside your heart. This is the job inside your life that you have for the rest of your life. Can I tell you this? Meditating the Word is what makes the Word live in your spirit. It's what makes it come alive. It's what makes you take ownership of that Word. Have you ever said or seen something in the Word and you say, I know the Word says that, but it doesn't seem real to me? Absolutely, every one of us start that way with the Word. But how do we make it real to us? we meditate on it. And as we meditate on it, it takes it from just being a mental thought down into our spirits and our spirits grab hold of it. You can't get it. You can't get full faith with hearing it once. you got to meditate on it to drive it down into your spirit. And that's why people say this faith stuff doesn't work. No, when you speak in the word out of your mind, it will never work. It has to come out of your spirit. How do you get it out of your spirit? You have to drive it down into your spirit through meditation. Meditation is the only way to drive it down into your spirit. Right. As a pastor, I've learned this. There are congregation members that have learned the lingo of faith. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. They've learned the, the statements of faith, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I've, heard, and I've had uh, congregation members come up and say, Pastor Nancy, I'm facing this, I'm facing that. And I say, well, what are you saying about it? Yeah. Come on. And they say, well, you know, the Word says this and the Word says that. I said, I know. I know what the Word says. But what are you saying about it? Because when they say it, they're saying the right words, but it's hollow. Right, 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 right. You can tell there's no bite of spirit of faith behind it. I mean, when there's the bite of the spirit of faith, there is a growl in it. Can I say oh. this? There's a, I, I got hold of this thing and I'm not letting go. But they're saying it with a tear in their voice. Yeah. You say something with a tear in your voice, you come up and you come up and you go, like, Oh, Father, I just received my... No, 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 no. You're, you're trying to believe with your mind. right. Yeah. When you believe with your spirit, there's a there's a there's a there's a boldness to it. There's a I got a I got a handle on this. You say, "Well, how do I believe with my spirit?" There's only one way. You got to meditate on that word. Right. That's right. going to take time with God. Yes. That's going to take time with the word. Not to earn it, but to drive it down. Yes. 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 And people say, "Well, the faith stuff doesn't work." No, it won't t- it won't work as long as you're, as long as you're speaking that verse out of your head. Because there's no faith in your head. You've got to get the word down in your spirit because that's where your faith is, is in your spirit. And that's how you join your faith to the word is you get it down into your spirit. Hallelujah. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate meditate. day and night. night. Get it in your mind. Your mind needs the word and your spirit needs the word. But you shall meditate on it day and night. Yeah. Uh, uh, worry is simply this meditation in the negative direction. Right. right. That's true. That's, right. true. That's all it is. Yep. Worry is meditation. Yeah. Meditating on the wrong thing going the wrong way, but we're to meditate on the word. You say, "Well, I know how to meditate." Well, do you know how to meditate when it, when the wrong thing is trying to hammer into your head? Yeah. You hold to the word. Right. Right. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Remember what James said? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Don't let him think he will receive anything right. of the Lord. Right. Right. You say, Pastor, I'm not double-minded. Well, let me just say this. To confess the right thing to someone else, but to lay in bed and think the wrong thing to yourself is called double minded So to not be double-minded, you have to deal with what you think to yourself. Because it's not enough to say the right thing, but think about the wrong thing. It's double-minded. Meditation means that you're thinking the right thing when nobody else but God knows what you're thinking. Hallelujah. This is the work, and it's a joyous work because everybody's thinking about something all the time. And the, God tells us where, he, he assigns us what to think about. Think about his word. Yeah, Amen? Amen? This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But you, listen to, the, let me say this. The more you say it, the more you have it. Right. Yeah. The less you say it, the less you have it. Jesus said you'll have whatsoever you say. Notice he didn't say you'll have whatsoever you believe. Yeah. Your believing is going to direct what you're saying. Right. Right. But you're not going to have what you believe, you have what you say. He said, you'll have whatsoever you say. This book of law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Look at this next phrase, so that you may observe to do. Ah, our our meditating and our saying is to arrive us at correct doing, to arrive us at correct actions. If we say that we believe God will will provide for us, we call him our provider. We say, I have a supply. God's providing for me. Okay, then that means you're going to do the action of giving. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Well, no, I don't have my money. No, you just said yeah. Yeah. that he'd provide for you. So if he tells you to give, which he already tells us to give tithes and offerings. He's already told us that. Right. You say, well, God didn't tell me to give this service. No, his word told you to give. Bring the tithes into the storehouse. Where's the storehouse? The place where your life is nourished, which is the local church. That's where you're to bring and fund. Why? That there may be meat in my house. Why? Because that's where your life and your family gets funded. Even if I never get an offering, your church should have an offering on Sunday mornings from you. Tithes and offerings. I'm not here to get an offering. They bless me with an offering, but my motive, I just want to preach the Word. I want to get the Word in people. and God will take care of me. But I tell you this, God has a sign that your tithes and offerings belong to your church. They go to your church. Well, God's taking care of me. Then that means you're going to be doing... The tithes and offerings. Right. See, we confess so that we'll know what to do. Right, yeah. right, right. Confession is not the end of it. Confession is just to direct us in our doing. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate. When we confess, he's my healer, then I'm going to get out of bed and go to work and I'm not going to lay in bed and act like I'm not healed. Right. Right. But don't act like that till you get full of it. See, through meditation. This is where a lot of people miss it, is they try to act healed when they haven't meditated on healing. And then they throw out their medicine and then they go buy it again. Right, right, right. So notice this, the divine order is this, the word in your mouth because it's in your thought life right. through meditation. And then you act. Yeah. There was a, a one traveling minister who years ago came to Raymond and taught, and he was telling the students early on in his ministry you know, he was having all kinds of financial difficulties. And early on in his ministry, he had a car that really was a piece of junk. And uh, God, the Spirit of God told him, "Sew your car. So he sewed it. And within a day or two, somebody gave him a brand new car. Well, the students heard brand new car. <laughs> right. So they think, I want a brand new car. What they didn't hear was what he had talked about before that, how he had been feeding on the Word, meditating on the Word, obeying what God was dealing with him about. There was all the preliminary work. Then once he he was meditating on it and he got the Word in his mouth, then the Spirit said to act. Now notice this, there's a divine order. Don't try to act until you first meditated on it and put it It in your mouth. Because it won't work for you until you're meditating on it. Put it in your mouth and then your actions will be full of life. They'll get results. You'll have success when you act. But these students just heard new car. So uh, they said, Dad Hagen said, many of the students gave away their cars because they thought if I just give away my car I get a new car. Well, yes if you've been meditating on the word, speaking the word and following the leading of the spirit in your actions. You don't just you don't act to try to get faith. Right. Faith doesn't come by acting. Faith comes by hearing. But once you hear, then it will then your 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 heart will be full of the word and then your actions will produce results. Yes. Amen. Amen. This is where people miss it. They say, I'm not going to go to the doctor. I'm going to throw out my medicine. And they put themselves in jeopardy uh-huh. because you only do that after you're full of the word. And uh-huh. when you're full of the word, the Holy Ghost will direct you, uh-huh. throw out your medicine. He'll tell you, you don't have to go to the doctor yes. anymore. Right. It's no risk in following the Holy Ghost. But when you grab an action uh-huh. out of your mental arena Come and on. think I'm going to try to prove I got faith, if you're going to prove you got faith, you ain't got it. Come on. Yeah. That's good. Amen. Follow the Holy Ghost in your actions. He'll, He'll tell you and direct you what actions to take. And then you'll have success. So Dad Hagen had to get up and say, these students, quit giving away your cars because they were ending up walking for a year and a half after that. Why? Because they acted hearing somebody else's faith. Good. not hearing their faith. You can't even act on pastor's faith. you got to act on your faith. Yeah. That's why the Holy Ghost is going to lead you based on your measure of faith. Right. That's why you don't go tell people you ought to do this and you ought to do that because you don't know their measure of faith. Right. They have to follow the Holy Ghost. He always knows their measure of faith. Right. And He's going to lead you today based on your measure of faith and He's not going to lead you based on the measure of faith you wish you had. Right, that's good. And don't try to act on the measure of faith you 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 should be at. Right. Right. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Can I say it this way? You seen it have you ever seen an old movie? An old wartime, maybe a revolutionary war type movie, and there's early, earliest forms of rifles, these muskets. Yeah. And what do they have on these muskets? I mean, you can only do one, one shot at a time. Right. What did they do? They'd take that long musket and they would pour in gunpowder. Right. They'd put in a bullet. Right. And then they would put in a paper wad. Yeah. That's called the word in your mouth. Mm-hmm. You're putting in your you're putting in your rifle here. Come on. You're putting an explosive thing. Yeah. yeah. Called the word. Yeah. And then after that, they would take a long rod. And what they do? pack it down. Why? Because if they don't pack it down, there's no accuracy. It will not hit the target. That's what meditation is. You're packing the Word down into your spirit so that it's a living thing to you. It's not just words off of a page. It is the Word of God being driven down into your spirit. And then after you've loaded the gun, after you pack the gun, then what do you do? Then you pull the trigger. This is where a lot of people in faith fail is they just pick up the gun and start going click, 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 and they haven't taken the time to load their spirit. Right, 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 right. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Why Why did the people of God fail? They didn't put the word in their thoughts. They didn't put it in their mouth, and then they didn't act. Right. How are we going to succeed? The word in our thoughts, the word in our mouth, and then acting in line with what the Holy Ghost directs us to do. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Are you helped this morning? There's a divine order here. If we will do this, this book will arrive us at success. We won't get to success automatically. We have to do the divine prescription. People say, well, that's all works. No, this is the work of believing. God already did the work of Jesus succeeding for our For our benefit and our behalf. He did that work. We don't have to go out and cause our own success. All we have to do is follow the prescription of the word and it will arrive us at the success He purchased for us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me to your feet this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet, it's a light to our path. We're so grateful that your word takes our life and sets it on course. We honor your word, we love your word. We regard your word. We prize your word. And we are doers of your word this morning. And Father, I speak for all the money for Pastor Richard. There's, there's I was sitting there, I almost forgot about this, as I was sitting there, uh, personally, money coming. Personally, I don't know if there's some project or something particular that you're believing for. But Father, we thank you for all that money to come. All that money to come. All that money to come. Can I tell you this? When God gives us a word, and I say this for everybody, words equal work. Yes, Yes, they do. There are people who will say, oh, we had a man years ago in our church. He says, oh, I got a drawer full of prophecies that didn't come to pass. Oh, that shows me you got a drawer full of things you didn't work. You You thought what God said would come to pass automatically. We find out that didn't work for the Hebrews. Why would it work for you? They didn't arrive at the promised land automatically. Yeah. They had to follow instructions. Yeah. Right. What was the instruction? Get the word in your, in your thought life, get it in your thoughts, get it in your mouth, mm-hmm. and get it in your actions. Yes. Amen? Awesome. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. When God says something to us, we better put it, get it in our mouth, get it in the way we think, yep. or it'll never come to pass. Yep. Right. 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 What has God said to you? It won't just happen. Because he wants it for you, and it won't just happen because he said it. It's going to happen because you said it. Come on, you thought it. Come on. He he tells us his thoughts so that we'll know what is to be our thoughts. Yeah. We have to make his words our thoughts. Right. And then they will. Then they'll come to pass. Right. Amen. Right. Are you helped tonight? This morning. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have our homework. Yes, we do. Aren't you glad every service you get homework? Yeah. Amen. It's a joy to know that we don't have to go out and formulate our own success. If we will do, if we will feed on the word, if we will put it in our mouth. Now, see, when we, he talks about meditating on the word, you can't meditate on it if you don't feed on it. Right, right, right. He said, talks about speaking it. You can't speak it if you don't meditate on it. Right. And if you don't feed on it. Right. Amen. That's right. Hallelujah. That's excellent. Whether or not, we arrive at full success is going to be measured not by how good the preacher is, Mm -hmm. but by what we do with the Word. Your mom and dad might have been good with the Word, but that won't make you good with the Word. Can I tell you this? Your mom and dad can leave you an inheritance, but they can't leave you their worth. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's very good. You can be in a home that believes the Word Preaches the word, but you're going to have to get your own worth of, of your faith with God. That's excellent. Wow. They can't leave you, their faith. Right. And young people need to know this. Until you do the things that we've taught today, you can't live off mom and daddy forever. Right. Right. You've got to develop your own walk with God. Come on. Get the faith of God in your own heart. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love the word. Amen. I love the Word. I love the Word. It gives you a life worth living. Yes. Yes. It gives you a life that means something. Yes. So that you're not just on the earth passing time, but you're on the earth making a difference. Amen. Amen. Reaching for more. Glory blessing people. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And then your life has fruit that you're increasing. Lord, you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. If Let me ask you this. If, if the heavyweight champion of the world, and they assign him, you know, they, he gets this wide belt that he holds up to show I won this. When that man dies, he can leave that to his son right. as an inheritance, yeah. but he better not carry that belt into a rink. Yeah. yeah. He's gonna get his brains beat out. Yes. He inherited his daddy's value, but he didn't inherit his worth. Yeah, right. Your right. worth is by you getting in the rank of faith yeah. and you working it Good. and you become Come skillful on. with the Come word on. and you don't try to live off your pastors. It won't work. Your pastor is just nothing but an instructor of how you're to do it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's all yeah. that's all the yeah. pastor is. Yes. He cannot his faith cannot take the place of yours. Right, 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 right his life with God and his walk with God. And your parents' (coughs) walk with God cannot take the place of your own walk with God because the devil's going to show up in your own life and you're going to have to know what to do. And the emergencies of life come to all of us. I said the emergencies of life come come to all of us. But we determine whether it's a victory or a fail. Right. Right. Amen. We determine it. My dad, my mother used to say something. There were four kids, and my mother was quite capable of running the household. My mother and dad, my dad was a farmer, and he was gone all the time. So my mother was left basically single handedly raising the kids, and she did all right. Three of us are pastors today. And uh, we were raised in the Methodist church. We weren't saved, none of us were saved. We didn't know anything about salvation, but because she gave us the habit of church attendance. Once we left home, we all kept up with our church attendance so God could lead us to a church where we heard about salvation. Right, And Mother put the right things in us. She put the principles of the Word in us without realizing it. And uh, my mother used to say something because she was in charge. And she would say, you can start anything with me that you're big enough to let me finish. (laughs) Because she said, no matter what you start, I'll finish it. We can say the same thing to the devil. You can start anything with me. Yeah. You're big enough to take my finish. Yeah. You yeah. might start and offer me an emergency, but I determine the outcome. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. You might attack my finances, but I'll determine yeah. the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's you right. might attack my family, but I'll determine the outcome. the outcome. Come on, yeah. come on. Yeah. Right. Right. Amen. 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 I don't care what happens in life. The end is authored by you. Yeah. That's yes. excellent. And if the devil authored the end, it's because you let him. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. Yep. If he determined the outcome, it's because you let him. Yeah. You say, well, I don't know, Pastor Nancy, you lost your husband. Are, are you sure I know right where he's at? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't determine my husband's end. Come on. Yeah, that's, true. that's right. I can only determine mine. Come on. I can't determine my children's end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have to determine their own. Right. I'll sure do everything I can to guide them toward yes. the right end. Yes. But I tell you what, I'm not responsible to God for right. someone else's end Come on. if I obey Him. Right. Yeah. Yes. yes. Right. Yeah. Amen. I have to bring my part to help someone in directing them toward their end, and I'm responsible for that. Right. But listen, I'm not, I'm not living the life the devil authored for me. I'm living the life I choose. Yeah, yeah. Every yeah. single one of us yeah. are living what we've chosen. Right. Yes. Why? Because the devil doesn't have the choice in our life. What's it say in Deuteronomy? I set life and death before you, blessing and cursing. And then what does he say? Choose life. Choose this. Choose life. Why? Every day you're choosing. Not just the day you got born again. Every day you're choosing. Every thought you're choosing the outcome. Come on. If you choose worry, you chose your outcome. You choose fear. Just because fear and worry were offered, you didn't mean you had to choose it. Right, right. You say, Well, Pastor Nancy, I don't know how to get free from it. Sure you do. Choose the word. Choose the word. What's that mean? Choose the thoughts of the word. Father, I thank you that no weapon formed against me Come shall on. prosper. Yeah. I thank you that the faith of God is in me. Yeah. I draw on that faith. Yeah. I worship you. Yeah. So you choose. Yeah. yeah. Amen. 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 Live the life you choose. Yeah. You're not the devil's victim. Come on. That's right. The devil cannot do anything to you anytime he wants. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. If he could, why would he have to deceive you first? Right. He's called the deceiver because he's got to deceive you into accepting something he offers you. That's good. Powerful. Praise the Lord. Amen. I choose my end. Come on. I choose. I choose success. Yeah. I choose that I arrive. Yeah. I'm not choosing barely enough. Yes. Amen. Listen, if there's some arena of our life that's barely enough... We need to press on and arrive at the fullness. Yes, come on. Amen. What's the promised land? He said it's a land flowing. flowing. Let's land flowing yeah. with milk and oh, honey. That yeah. means health should be flowing. Yeah. That yeah. means yeah. supply should be flowing. Yeah. That means revelation should be flowing. Wisdom should be flowing. flowing. If it's not flowing, we haven't arrived yet. Keep getting your mind renewed. Yeah. Keep speaking the word and get to where He arrived. he Hallelujah. offered for you to arrive. Hallelujah. 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 Thank, you, Thank you, Pastor. Wow. Well, did you get anything out of that? Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise like you mean it. Amen. Wow. Powerful. Thank you.